Welcome to the Life Story Coach Podcast, where you'll hear interviews, tips, and advice on the craft and business of personal history and life story writing, with your host, Amy Woods Butler. Hi guys, Amy Woods Butler here, and today we're getting into the nitty gritty of rough drafts and clients' expectations. Why is this an issue? Well, if you're a writer, you know that rough drafts are just that. They're rough. They're not meant to be polished and smooth and absolutely perfect. They're, they're going to be full of mistakes. But your client most likely is not a writer, and they're not going to know that. So this is something that you know, but they don't. And when you hand them one thing and they're expecting another, it has the potential to cause a real problem. So it's our job as the professional guiding the process along to set the stage. We don't want the client thinking that the rough draft is the final book, you know, just minus the official cover. Um, And here I'm talking about the writing, the content, but I've even had clients get confused when I hand them an early copy, you know, just from my copy machine, comb bound, um, and they think that that's what their final draft is going to look like, even after I show them samples of books. So that just brings us to the point that um, things that we assume everybody knows because it comes so intuitively to us, um, that's a dangerous assumption to make. So we have to be really clear with um, what the clients are getting from us and the reasons that things look the way they do. So um, we want to we want them to understand that there will be mistakes. And I'm going to talk about the specific steps that I take to manage clients' expectations in this regard. Um, but first, I want to talk about the kinds of mistakes that we have in those early drafts. So one, there are the mistakes in things like punctuation and grammar, um, transitions, even chunks of material that may need to be shifted to a different section. Um, And that's all okay, because now is not the time to be delivering that smooth, tightly written draft. The editing step happens later in the process. Um, We have to first get the draft written to completion, and we have to allow ourselves to have these occasional mess ups. Um, And, you know, I don't think that you should give anything that looks schlocky to the client, but it's not going to be tightly written like a finished piece. For one thing, if you're still doing interviews, so the way that I have it is I um, am doing interviews and building the book at the same time. Um, so I'm constantly getting an influx of new information. That's the the new transcripts I work on um, after the book has already been started. So sometimes, uh, well, with every client, at some point, they're going to go back to a subject or maybe a time period that we've already covered, that I've already written up in the draft, because you know nobody tells their story 100 chronologically, even the people with the most ordered minds. And that's okay. That's part of the reason they're hiring us because they need to be able to go with the flow where their memories are taking them and not worry about if they're getting, you know, C before B after A. Um, They need to tell their memories as they come to them. And we are the ones who then put all those bits in the proper places. Okay, but when you're working on, say, interview five, the transcript from the fifth interview, and they're going back um, into a story that they already told you back, maybe in interview number two, they're going more in depth into it, or they're adding some details, or maybe they're changing some things. If you are working on your draft, and you're incorporating that new material, well, if the writing is already really tight, and, and you know, you made it as flawless as possible, then it's going to take that much more time to sort of 
disassemble it and work the new material in, then polish it up again, and then add the proper transitions. So in other words, you're going to be spending a lot of time undoing and redoing work that you should not have yet done in the first place. So these are the kinds of mistakes that will probably bother us as writers far more than they will the clients. Um, Unless your client is a retired English teacher, or for some reason, I get this a lot with with lawyers. I've had this with lawyers where where they're very meticulous about the copy as it comes out. Um, But for the most part, People are going to be paying, the storyteller is going to be paying more attention to the content and not so much um, the, the little mistakes that you make along the way as you're writing it. So that brings me to the second big category of mistakes. Um, these are mistakes in names, places, dates, details of their life that they know really well, but we as the personal historian or the life story writer, we're just getting acquainted with it. So we don't have um, kind of the reading glasses, so to speak, to see these mistakes that are very clear to them. And you can create all of the timelines and the place lines that you want. You can gather all of the data and have a super organized system, but you're still going to have some of these mistakes crop up in the writing. Now, sometimes that's because we misread something or we get confused. Um, I I just handed a draft to somebody recently, and I had the grandparents uh, completely on the wrong side of the family. And that kind of thing happens. Um, It's an easy mistake to make. It's also a pretty easy mistake to fix. And that's why I like to give my clients the drafts as we go along, because then we're fixing things before they blossom into anything bigger. Sometimes, however, um, the mistakes don't lie with us, but it's because the storyteller themselves has has contradicted, um, the storytellers have contradicted themselves, or possibly um, you get a source document and it contradicts something that they've said. So another client that I'm working with right now, we we had almost all of the interviews done. And when he was talking about a generation, one and two generations earlier than him, so uh, his parents and grandparents' generations, and actually the the great-grandparents' generation, he was telling me all kinds of stories. He didn't have very many details to fill them out, but really great stories. Well, after we were almost completely done with all of the interviews, he found this big um, box full of uh, materials that he didn't realize that he had. They had been passed down to him after somebody in the family died. Well, when he went looking through them, he found some memoirs, some short memoirs written by people um, in his his ancestors, so in his parents' generation and his grandparents' generation. And they really, they were full of contradictions um, compared to what he, how he had told the stories. Well, so because of that, you know, there was a lot of rewriting that had to be done. um, And that was okay. He was really excited to find out all of this stuff that he did not know that he had sort of been guessing on when he was telling me about the stories of the family. So not his own memories, but memories of experiences that other people had. So other people's memories, in other words. Um, So Mistakes will happen, and it's perfectly acceptable as long as you prepare the storyteller. So how do you do that? How do you um, get the storyteller in the right mindset to receive this rough draft where you know giving it to them, despite your best efforts, some mistakes will be in there? 
Okay, so in the case of the man that I was just talking about, it was having a conversation right at the get-go when I realized that we had all of this information that did not jibe with what he had told me. Um, And especially for mistakes that, that originate with a client, it's really important to let them know that it's natural and it happens to everyone. Um, if they say something that you later find out is wrong or if they're contradicting themselves, the one thing that we really want to avoid is having them feel like they've made a mistake or th- what we want to avoid is them self-censoring. We don't want them getting hung up on whether their grandma was born in 1903 or in 1906. Um, Those are things that can be verified, and if they can't be verified, we can leave them out. We don't need to include every little factoid in these these life stories and family histories. Um, And if they contradict themselves, um, even if the draft comes back to us, so after they mark up the draft that I give to them, and they say, no, you got this wrong, you know, I can see in the transcript that maybe they misspoke and, and it wasn't me that got it wrong, but that doesn't matter. The customer is, all right, is always right. So I make the correction and I move on. Okay, so back to setting up their expectations. The first thing is to, is to start with a conversation before you hand them the draft. And I'm, I'm not just talking about if there's really big things like what I was explaining with, with the client that I'm working with now. I'm talking about for every single client, because every single time you give an early draft to a client, there will be mistakes. And you just need to let them know ahead of time before they start reading to expect those. So be very clear and be very direct. Tell them that they should expect to see these mistakes and talk about the two types the two categories that I had just mentioned. So there's going to be mistakes in grammar and punctuation. Explain to them that those are things that are dealt with at the copy editing stage, and it doesn't make sense to do that all now at this point, and tell them that they don't need to go and try to to correct all of those mistakes on the draft. Now, sometimes people will, and that's perfectly fine too. Um, and then the second category of mistakes, obviously, is that the mistakes are the mistakes in the names, places, dates, and details. Um, and just explain, hey, you know your story better than I do, um, so we're going to get this worked out. That's why we have this this um, give and take with the draft. Um, and part of their objective. So you're actually telling them that their objective in reading the draft is to make those corrections right there on the paper. Um, And the draft is also their chance to see if they want to go back and talk more about a story that they've already told, if they want to expand on something, to see if there's holes in their story, um, or maybe things that they've talked about that they don't want in and they want to delete. But that gets a little bit out of the realm of mistakes. Okay, so the second thing that I do in setting their expectations is I include a sort of a disclaimer on the draft, and I do that in two different places. So we've talked about the importance of redundancy. Well, this is a place that it's very appropriate. So for each draft that I give to a client, I have a cover sheet with the client's name and the date that I'm giving the draft or the date that I finished it. Um, I, I have my logo on there, my contact information, but also front and center, I have draft in progress. So they know what they're getting is not considered a finished, polished draft. Okay, so on the next page, um, right after this cover page, bound in with the the draft that I'm giving them is a note. And, you know, I, I 
talk about various things, but I will always include the a piece of boilerplate text about how they should expect to see mistakes, what kind of mistakes, and I give them steps on what to do about them. So in my case, what I always use um, hard copies when I'm working with clients. I don't I don't uh, do it with electronic copies. So I just tell them to take a pen, make any corrections that need to be made, dog ear the pages so that I don't miss any, and you know they never remember to do that. Um, but I'm giving them permission, and I'm actually encouraging them to write on the draft because sometimes people get a little bit confused about that too. So they need to know that this is a working draft, draft in progress, and they are collaborators on this process of getting it right. Okay, so that's what I do at the beginning of the draft. I also, on the running header for every page, um, well, the running header either on the left-hand side or the right-hand side, so verso or recto pages, I will um, I'll put in the running header, working draft uncorrected. That's just my version of a watermark. It's a reminder to the storyteller um, that this is a working draft. It's a draft in progress. They should expect it not to be complete and not to be without mistakes. But it's also a really good notice to any family member that might pick up the draft and and read it. Um, Because even though we've set the stage for the storyteller, you know, we've had the conversation, we've explained to them that these mistakes are there, that this is how we're working together to... to, um, get everything right. If a family member picks it up, they're not going to have had that conversation with you. So you're also needing to manage their expectations. You don't want them thinking, oh my gosh, what is this? You know, this is, there's so many things that are wrong here. Okay, so the last thing, if there is contradictory information in the interviews, um, or, you know, if, if somebody says something and I look from a source document and I find that it's not right, or I'm not sure which one is right if, if they're in conflict with each other, what I do in the draft is um, I include an inline annotation. So wherever that little nugget of information is, I have an annotation where I'm speaking directly to the storyteller and I'm asking a question. And usually I set it off with square brackets and I'll start it off with their name. Sometimes I'll put it in a different text color, you know, maybe red that's going to really shout out to them, hey, this is this is a note that you need to read and, and we need to, I need an answer on it. Sometimes I don't use uh, a different color because if uh, uh, older eyes, uh, it's sometimes hard to see, see colors other than black on white paper. Um, so, very often, I'll it will be a question like, "Hey, I had, you know, I, I might even start with contradictory information. Um, is it this or this? Is it A or B?" And very often, the people will just circle the one that's correct, and it makes it very easy for them. They don't even have to write anything; they just circle something. To recap, early drafts are always going to have mistakes. It's part of the process, and. Um, it's going. The mistakes are going to pop up in the in the writing and the prose, and also in the content. So it's part of the process. We know that we need to convey that message to our clients. It's our job to set our clients' expectations about what they'll see in those early drafts. Do it early and do it often. So have a conversation with them and have repeat the the elements of that conversation repeated in the draft itself um, near the beginning and a note on the cover page, you 
where you're calling it a draft in progress or a work in progress. And then if you do, if you want to do it the way I do it, also in the running header. I hope this has helped. I'm going to put up a guideline checklisty thing. Um, it, I'll make it a download in the show notes of this episode, episode 23. And it's just going to be a few points to help you remember what you need to do before you give somebody that first early draft. Um, so if you want to download that, just head over to the lifestorycoach.com and look for episode 23. And if you have any questions or better yet, if you have a different way of dealing with this, something that you can share with, with the audience, um, please share those in the comments. Again, it's episode 23 on the lifestorycoach.com. And as always, if this episode has helped, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. That's the best way to spread the word and get other people talking about doing life stories as a business. Thanks for listening. Now go out and save someone's story. 